<laughs> How many of you have somebody in your life right now that's driving you nuts? <laughs> How many of you are sitting next to that person right now? Don't raise your hand. Do not raise your hand. Seriously, it, life's tough enough without challenging relationships. Man, when we have relationships that are sucking the wind out of our sails, it's hard to live, isn't it? Everything else can be going right, but if things aren't right with relationships, it becomes a challenge. This is, this is what I want to talk with you about today. Um, I'm going to have to get my glasses. I could get a little more light. That would be awesome. I'm older than your pastor, uh, and I need to see a little bit more. That's beautiful. Thank you. Things get messy fast in life. You may have noticed that, right? One time, just for fun, I took the Gospel of Mark, and I read it from beginning to end, 16 chapters, and everywhere Jesus got in trouble with people, I put in the margin, MR, messy relationship. I counted in 16 chapters, 108 times people had messy relationships with Jesus. Now I want you to think about that for a moment because if you have a problem with Jesus, I'm just guessing it's your problem. <laughs> it probably isn't Jesus' problem. He's probably handling you well. You're probably not handling him well. Now that's crazy. And then you think about you and me together. You're broken. I'm broken. We're all in the process of being redeemed. How much more exponentially speaking can we get into trouble with each other? That's why things get messy. And then Jesus even hints at stuff like this when he says, Woe unto you. This is Luke 6, 26. Woe unto you when all men speak well of you. I try to keep somebody at all, all times just mad at me just to be biblical. Uh, which is very easy to do if you think about it, right? So what I want to do today is I came to just have a little fun with you. And I, I want to bring out some biblical principles. I got great news. God in his word has not left us wondering how to handle messy relationships. And so today I want to look at, just quickly, through this time together, how to clean up messy relationships. Aren't you interested that you don't told me you have messy relationships? Wouldn't it be great if we could use God's cleaning supplies on cleaning up messy relationships? So I got a little bag of cleaning supplies here, and I'm going to need some help from the audience if you would be so kind. Let me just pull some of these out here. The first, the first, we're going to do a little acrostic here. It's in your notes. You'll see it in your bulletin. All right, go ahead and look at your bulletin in the very middle. Can I use yours right real quick? Look at this right in the middle. It says, clean up. Very good. It says, clean up right there. It's got some passages of scripture. Go ahead and write that. We're going to write these down. I'm going to ask you to help me. Would you help me? All right, look at, what is this? Remember when phones were this big? Remember when this was cool? Oh, my goodness. This was back when, listen, this was back when this. I wasn't tied to the wall. Remember that cord? Is that, am I that old? Maybe. Some of you have never seen a phone tied to the wall. But believe it or not, we used to have to sit like this is what we do. We go over here. The phone would be over here. Hello. And you talked right there. You couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't drive your car. And then we had this rotary dial. Oh, you got to see those. Look them up on the internet. Rot I hated rotary dials. You got a friend with like nines? Nine. Nine, nine. Took forever to call somebody. Right. Here we go. This stands for communicate. The C stands for communicate. Hold it up. Communicate. Say it with me. Hold it up. Communicate. Look at it. Communicate. All right, very good. Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. And by the way, I'm going to shoot these to you. I want you to think about these. Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Here's what it says. Paul talking to the church in Ephesus. He says, speaking the truth in love. Ephesians 4, 11, 4, 12, he says. Um, excuse me. 
415. Speaking the truth in love, we grow up into all aspects of Christ. So we got to communicate. Now, do you find yourself when you're mad at somebody that you want to communicate? You want to speak the truth in love? When I'm, when I'm mad, I want to speak. Not so much the love part, right? And uh, sometimes many of us are great at the speaking part, but we're not good at the listening part. We're not bringing the truth, right? Some of us bring the truth. We bloody people, right? So I'll speak the truth to you right now. I'll tell you something that I need to tell you right now. Speak the truth in love. But it's interesting. when you're, It's the people that you're closest to, the, the, the most meaningful relationships you often have. Uh, somebody does something that hurts you. What do you do? You don't communicate about it. What do you say? What's wrong? Nothing. I've been married going on almost 30 years now. My wife's back there. You can ask her any of these things. I'm just going to tell the truth about who we are. Are you ready for this? My first year of marriage, I noticed, you guys maybe had a better first year than us. I noticed my wife wasn't happy. You know, I, some of you aren't as sharp as I am. I'm just going to get to the sermon, come home, see the pillow on the couch. I just pick up right away. Something's not good here. Something's not good. So I walk up to my wife and I said, what's wrong? You know what she says? Nothing. Now let me tell you how dumb I was at that time. Still got things to learn, but let me tell you how dumb I was. When my wife said nothing, you know what I thought that meant? Nothing. <laughs> Every married man in this room knows now. It does not mean nothing. You know what it means? Oh, I fear the word nothing. What's wrong, honey? Nothing. That means everything. And I'm so mad at you, if I had a gun, I might use it, right? So I think I get so worried about that. Nothing. Nothing's wrong. You know what's interesting? God, even when Adam and Eve sinned, what does God do? No, I'm not. No, he pursues me in the cool of the day. And he says, Adam, Eve, where are you? He pursues 413 times in the Bible. You can read this phrase. Thus saith the Lord. God is a communicator, isn't he? He speaks to us. We have this thing called the Bible. You know what the Bible says about itself? It's God breathed. And it is alive, sharper than any two-edged sword. God communicates us. He's not left us wondering what in the world we should do with our relationships, whether it be with him or with each other. He has painfully spelled it out for us. And he can show us how to clean up messy relationships. But you know who the king of messy relationships is? The devil. One of the Greek words in the Bible for the devil is slanderer. That's the exact opposite of cleaning up messy relationships, is when you talk bad about somebody behind their back and ruin their reputation, especially someone who claims to follow Jesus Christ. Now, we get to decide whether we want to be like God, the communicator, to walk through the messiness of relationships, or whether we want to be like the devil and cause trouble by not communicating or miscommunicating, slander. I want you to just let that sit there for you uh, just for a moment on your heart, because communication is critical. Now, something I've learned in the long run, sometimes when the heat of the motion, that like you're in trouble with someone and you gotta work some stuff out, we all gotta do this, right? If you don't do this, I don't know how you're ever gonna have healthy relationships. And I know some of us go, well, we just never did that in our family. Okay, well, that's why your family's dysfunctional. All our families are dysfunctional. And that's why we gotta do what the Bible says, speak the truth. Those are hard conversations to have, 
and to hear. Sometimes my closest friends, they speak into my life on hard issues. Sometimes I'm sitting across from them, I can see them shaking. I know they got something hard to tell me. And they may have to tell it to me. And I need to hear it. And I value them because I know they're nervous about it because it's a hard thing to say. I'm not talking about the people that love to just rip into you. I'm talking about people that care for you so much they'll tell you the truth. Almost every time at the end of a church service, we stand, we, you know, a lot of times people come up to pastors and say, nice servant, pastor, nice servant. And then I get in the car and I ask my wife this question, how do you think it went? And then I get the truth. You know why? She's got 30 years of investment in me. She wants me to succeed. She wants me to succeed. One day she said, I said, what was wrong? What was wrong with today? She goes, do you think you should use the word sucks from the pulpit? <laughs> did I say that, honey? Yes, I, yes, you did. Okay, well, that's I received that instruction right there. It's all good. So communicate. Start starting to see. What does it say? Oh, come on now. Say it with me. Communicate. Not only communicate, the other part of that communicate is, remember these headphones? Now I got these wireless ones that go with my iPhone. It's Right? So, so why? Why? <laughs> You're already in messy relationship. All right. so, C stands for the L stands for listening. James one nineteen. Listen to the word of the Lord. James one nineteen says everyone should be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Isn't that interesting? Somebody said God gave you two ears, one mouth. You should do twice as much listening as you do speaking for what would have happened to all of our relationships if we did the opposite. Twice as much talking as much as listening. Listening. Zsa Gabor, some of you don't know who she is. Zsa Gabor one day uh, was talking about her favorite subject, herself. And she said, as she was talking to this person on and on, hey, she began to notice that person is losing interest in me. So finally she said to the woman, ah, but darling, we must talk about you. How do you like my dress? <laughs> See, we want to make everything about, even, even about church about us. We are such consumers to the core. We don't even know how consumeristic we are because it's the air we breathe in this culture. And we make everything about us. And because we're about us, you know what that inhibits? us listening to other people. A lot of times we do this, we start talking to each other, and I'm listening to what you're gonna say, but it reminds me of something I wanna to say to you, so I'm waiting for you just to talk, quit talking, right? So I already got my thing I wanna say, right? And so I'm really not listening at that point, I'm just waiting for you to just quit, and I'm gonna add my piece right there, right? That's part of the problem. We're not good at listening. But friends, listen. You can, if you take the time to listen, and this is something I'm working on, my goal this year is to be a better listener, right? And part of it is I got I promised my wife if I had any more troubles with listening, I would go get my hearing checked. This is all part of growing old. Alright? So I don't know if it's physical or just my very, very short attention span. You understand what I'm saying, people? Right? That makes me a rotten listener, but I've got to become a better listener. Because the Bible's clear about this. This is how you clean up messy relationship. True story. One time I was uh, working with a church, the pastor was a dear friend of mine. And um, he it was in the area here, and he said to me, I want you to come and do a leadership training. I said, I'd be glad to. And then he said, but it's really not about the leadership training. This is, our church is in the middle of a big fight. And he said, it's over something stupid. And, um, and he said, I've done everything I can. 
And uh, because I was there, uh, I filled in for him a long time before he arrived. He said, I would like you to really just come in, do the workshop. In the middle of the workshop, I guarantee you the fight's going to manifest itself. And then I want you to, I want you just to moderate. I, I said, now, I'm willing to throw myself under the bus for my friends. I really am. I said, how, I said, what's going to happen if we don't fix this? He goes, I'm leaving. And I said, well, if we can work through it, will you stay? He said, yes. So I said, I'm in. So we did. It was just like he said too. On Saturday morning, we were together. It was great. I couldn't tell anything was wrong. But he said to me, "You'll, you'll, you'll know when." And uh, about half, about halfway through, sure enough, there was a person on this side who was the leader, and a person on that side who was the leader. And this is the gospel truth. They started pointing fingers, and so I'm like, you know, they can't fire me. This is why. This is why I, I, I come alongside local churches. They can't fire me, right? We're missionaries. I walk in and I say, "Okay, pause for a moment. I'm more than willing." to moderate this issue if you promise to listen to each other. And we'll listen to each other because we, there's, we're going to take a vote on it real soon. And so I said, okay, well, first thing we're going to do is we're going to eat. <laughs> you ever hear the word hangry, hungry, and angry? I know the words are a bunch of Baptists who are hangry, all right? And, um, and so I said, first thing we're going to do is eat. Everybody stop for a moment, get some coffee, get some more eats, we'll sit down. So I finally I just said, okay, let's reconvene. I call on the person over here. There's always a leader. Uh, somebody over here is going to represent the side. I said, just go ahead and say it. Now listen, over here, you guys just be quiet and listen. And when, I, when that person's done, I don't care how long it takes, I'm going to give you equal time. I promise you, you'll get equal time to say whatever you're going to say. Person stands up, starts saying, "Well, I don't think we should be doing this, and there's a big issue right here, and there's why." And this person interrupts them. Hold it, hold it right there. Now let's be quiet. Now let's listen. You're already answered. You haven't heard anything this person said yet. Person takes a breath, sits back down. Okay, start from the beginning. Start an old thing, and then finally, there's there, there was just a calmness over here. And finally, after this person was done, I go, "Have you said everything you needed to say?" Yes. Okay, your turn over here. The person over here says, "Wait a minute. Can I ask this person a question over there?" Oh, you don't want to say your piece? No, I want to ask a question. Okay, ask a question. The person looks at the other person and says, when you said this, this, and this, did you really mean this, this, and this? And the person over here said, no, we didn't mean this, this. I said, what I meant. I said, you got to be kidding me, because all this time we thought you were actually saying these other things, and this is what we were worried about. They said, no. I said, you know what? It's amazing what listening can do in your personal relationships and in the ministry. Every man be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. The C stands for? Oh, yes. The L stands for? And the E stands for? Equanimity. Equanimity. Got it up there? Awesome. Equanimity is a neat word. It means evenness of mind under stress. This is, you know, this is a level, right? So the idea of a level is if something, this is like, you're doing, you're, you're doing very well. The bubble's in the middle, right? And, uh, but what happens? Life tends to do this to you, right? Pressure does this. Lose your job. Problems. Issues. Related. It all tends to push you out. So put that up there. What's the E stand for? Evenness of mind under stress. Of course, the ultimate, ultimate person that did this was Jesus. Jesus, they're nailing him to the cross. You talk about stress. They're nailing to the cross. What's he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what. That's equanimity. That's Holy Spirit power equanimity. Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Somebody's all over you. Man, they're leaning into you. The worst thing you can do is lean back into them. Right? Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go this. Oh, I'm going to go this. You ever hear the term fight fire with fire? It just creates more fire. You fight fire with what? The exact opposite. 
So when somebody's coming after you, when there is an intensity involved that wants to uh, take you off, then I need to tell you something. You fight it with the exact opposite. I'm telling you, I was 22 years old when I became a youth pastor. My senior pastor was like a, uh, 30 years older than me. He's like a father to me until he passed away last year. I love that man. And I watched people unjustly attack him in ways that were not just bad, but evil. And he won every stinking time. They all lost credibility because he was golden about this. He never answered with wrath. He always answered politely and with respect, even when he didn't get any. And everybody in the church knew that whoever was attacking them, they were wrong. Now that's Jesus-like. That is exactly what equanimity is. It reminds me of the story of the, the sailor who always, he's worked on a dock for years. He had always wanted to meet a real pirate, hoped that someday that a pirate ship would come in and he'd meet a pirate. One day he was working on the dock there, and, and all of a sudden he heard clip-clop, clip-clop, clip-clop. And he looked up and he thought, this could be, because, you know, pirates have a peg leg. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> and he looked up and sure enough, here's this bonafide pirate peg leg hook for a hand patch over the eye. Sailor ran up to him like a schoolboy. I said, are you a real pirate? And the guy said, oh, yes, I am, matey. Can I, I've always wanted to ask questions to a pirate. Rargh, How'd you get the leg thing, you know, the wooden leg? He said, oh. We were way out in the storm, blew me over, and they began to pull me up and a shark bit my leg off. <laughs> wow, said the sailor. He said, and how did you get the hook for the hand? He said, one night we jumped aboard another oh, ship and we tried the rockets of its booty. A sword fight ensued and they cut me hand off. Blimey, said the sailor, how'd you get the patch? You know, the eye, how'd you lose the eye? And the, and the pirate said, Arr, a seagull dropping fell into my eye. <laughs> and in disbelief, the sailor said, a seagull dropping fell into your eye? They took your eye. He goes, Arr, it was my first day with the hook. <laughs> I didn't say my jokes were good. I just said they're there. <laughs> Here's the point. Sometimes in a relationship, we take a temporary problem. And not friends, a seagull dropping in your eye is a problem. It need not be a permanent one. If you don't, watch now, if you don't handle the temporary problems properly, you can make something that was going to be temporary permanent. Have we all done that before? Or am I just going one? I didn't handle something well, I exploded, I did whatever it was, and I take a temporary problem and I made it a permanent problem. That's why we need Holy Spirit equanimity in our life. All right, the C stands for? The L stands for? The E stands for? The A stands for? Amnesia. Everybody say amnesia, amnesia. You're gonna need a good deal of amnesia, right? Selective amnesia. I love Ephesians 4.32. Ephesians 4.32 says this. This is what it says. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, tender-hearted, forgiving each other. Wow, just as Christ has forgiven you. Have you been forgiven a lot? I have. Have you been forgiven a lot? 
And if God can forgive you, you receive that forgiveness. And you know what we do? We pass it on to others. We pass it on to others. And that's why you're going to need Jesus. You're going to need amnesia. I'm telling you right now, I think about like who we have in the room here right now. I'm telling you, I know we all have stories of people who have been unfair, cruel. We've been on the receiving end of emotional scars that have it's tempting to make us bitter. And I want to say something. Man, I get to be in all kinds of churches. God has been so good to me. But in all kinds of churches, and I want to tell you something. Some of the most bitter people I have ever met go to church. It's as if they let themselves off the hook for having amnesia. I don't need to forgive that person. That person doesn't deserve my forgiveness. Well, you're absolutely right on that part. But you know what the problem is? If you, don't, if you don't have selective amnesia, if you don't let God give you the power to let that person, to extend forgiveness to that person, even if they don't ask for it, here, listen to us. Unforgiveness, a bitter spirit in relationships, you know what? You hold on to that because there's some kind of a control thing that we have about that. I'm just going to be mad at that person. Every time you think of that person, your heart goes sound. You're so angry at it. You can be saying, Bill, Listen, you don't know how bad it is. I've been abused, or I've been whatever. I'm a victim of this. Or that, or that, or that. I get it. Oh, man, in this sense, I do get it. I understand what it's like to be tempted to be unforgiving and to hold on to bitterness. And, you know, I'm going to argue with you. I'm not going to argue with you. You're right. It's evil what happened to you. But if you give in and let bitterness take a root in your life, it's going to poison everything else. Watch Bitterness and unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expect the other person to die. It's like drinking poison yourself and expecting the perpetrator to die. For your own emotional, mental, spiritual, and yes, even physical health, you're going to need Jesus to show you how much he has forgiven you so that you in turn can receive that forgiveness and pass it on to others. Uh, you know what taught me about amnesia and forgiveness? Somebody I sinned against. I was a school teacher, that's what brought me to the area many years ago. And I taught ninth grade English in public school. And um, I, I loved kids who didn't like school. I think anybody can teach A students. I got into education because I wanted to teach kids like me who had, didn't really enjoy school. And I remember, I had uh, my favorites, and I call them my favorites. I love everybody. But my favorites, I kept them real close. Like if you were in trouble all the time, I'd just keep you real close. Yeah. And right here, it's like this. So I can see part of it was because we have very short attention spans, and so that's why we get in trouble. We're looking around at everything, right? So I just figured I'm going to put them right up here. That way we can work with them, right? I didn't beat people with a lot of homework. I tried to teach kids to think, not what to think. And I wanted them to learn. I want, my goal was to help them develop a love of learning. So I took a little different approach rather than just lecture all the time. I, I love the kids that came in my room, and all of them. And, uh, but I just really had a passion for the kids that were, were tending to get other teachers trouble. So I said it right here. So it's one time I just said, like, go home and read a story, a real short story, take you 15 minutes to read it, and then I want you to write a paragraph about it, and then uh, give me your paper when you come back to class. I actually give time in class. Didn't use it, they could do it at home. So uh, the next day uh, when we had class, I, I walked in and I asked for this, I asked for all the stories. So I collected you know, this little teacher trick. 
collect all the stories, all the paragraphs they wrote about, just a paragraph, grabbed them all, went over to my desk, told the kids, hey, go ahead and read the next story. I'm going to give you 15 minutes. While they were reading it, I read the paragraphs, graded them, put them in my grade book. Boom. Right? Multitasking. I began to pass out all the books, all the papers. One of my buddies came in. He goes, hey, Mr. Allison, before you start class, I handed a paper in, and you didn't pass it back to me. And I said, Andy, holy cow, I would love if you handed the paper in. It's hard to flunk my class. He's actually doing it because zeros add up fast, right? If you try, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. But he wasn't even trying. I said, I wish you did hand your paper in. I would love to have graded your paper. And I started the teaching. He goes, oh, no, Mr. Allison, seriously, I handed a paper today, and you, you didn't hand me back one. I said, Andy, I already told you. You didn't hand one in. That's the way it's got to be. Started teaching the class. Kid stands up, slams his books on the desk, points his finger right at my face, and he says, Allison, you lost my paper. Now, there's something you need to know about me. Um, I use a technique called proximity. Now, I get real close to him. I've been teaching for a while, so my breath isn't good. <laughs> and I, I said to him, if you want to flunk my class, that's your prerogative as an American. You're going to blame me? Ain't going to happen. I didn't get a paper from you. Sit down and shut your face. And I'm sad I said that. <laughs> and the rest of the students have never really heard me talk like that. Kids sat down puffing and puffing. I was emotionally charged. I told him, go ahead and keep reading that story. I went back to my desk and I was like, got to get control of me. Got to make sure God's in control of me. And so I'm like, oh man, I'm so mad at that kid and I got to teach and now I got to get, I just got to take a moment and catch my breath. And so this is true. I'm like, okay, I got to get it. Five minutes later, I grab my book and under my book, there's this paper. Now you know what the problem with being a Christian is the Holy Spirit lives in you wherever you go. So I got the Holy Spirit tapping on my soul. And can I be honest? How, how human can I be with you today? I weighed all of my options. <laughs> the first one, I am so embarrassed, but I'm just going to keep it real. First one, pretend like you didn't see that, throw it away. Spirit of God. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, that ain't going to work, Bill. No, uh -uh. Then I thought, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Because this is what a lot of teachers I'm going to tell him he's got to stay after class, and I'll give him the good news. I don't know how God talks to you, but this is what I heard from him that day. Allison, you stood in front of that class. You opened up your big, fat mouth. You put your feet so far in. You got to get in front of that class. You got to stand before that class. You got to open your mouth, and you got to pull your feet out. So I had this piece of paper walk up there, all the kids are quiet, they know I'm on the rampage, they know he's angry. I go, hey Andy, he goes, what? He's always just wants to punch me, now I know what. <laughs> I go, I found your paper. And there was, I kid you not, there was a collective 30 kids in the classroom. <laughs> there was every, if there was somebody walking by, they had been sucked right into the classroom, and there was a sucking of breath, man. They had never seen a teacher do this before. And he looked at me like, duh. And I said to him, I am sorry, and I want you to forgive me. And that kid scowled, went like this. 
No sweat, Mr. A. And the whole thing was over. And now the rest of the show. I had that student for several more semesters of freshman English. <laughs> and never once did that kid ever bring that up again. How dumb is a teacher to lose a paper? Pretty dumb. And he never once mentioned, did that kid talk to The power of education. Oh, let's go here. The C stands for? The E stands for? The A stands for? The E-A. Acquanimity. That's why I was making a new word there. Acquanimity. Amnesia. Say it with me. Amnesia. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. Raise it up. Raise it up. Naps. Say it with me. Naps. Yeah, naps, right? Sometimes relationships are messy. Relationships are messy because we're tired, right? I love the story of Elijah and Jezebel. You know what, Elijah? Elijah kills 450 prophets of Baal. Just knocks them out, man, after God does this amazing thing. What a prophetic stud is Elijah, right? And what happens? A woman says, I heard you killed the 450. I'm coming after you. And what's, what's he do? You know what he does? He runs. There's nothing like the wrath of a woman, right? <laughs> Especially when you're tired. And how do I know his, how do I know that his primary issue was he was tired? All right, remember this? He runs and he, he hides near a brook. And you know what he does? You know what he's instructed to do? Not pray more, not memorize more scripture. He's instructed to do this. Sleep, lay down, boy. Rest. And when he gets up, you know what happens? The ravens feed him. And he eats. You know what he does next? He sleeps some more. You know why? It's not a spiritual problem. It's not an emotional problem. It is a physical issue. The boy is tired. And because he's tired, you can pray, you can't pray away your tiredness. You need rest. I got a public service announcement. And this is for somebody here, maybe several of you. You are very crabby. Your family knows it. Your co-workers know it. Today, the most spiritual thing you might be able to do is to take a nap. I love it. I love the rhythms of the Bible. Yeah, take a nap. I mean, you, you know what the problem is with a nap? We are, when you hear somebody takes a nap, what do you think? Slacker. Slacker. Such an American thing, right? But let me speak the Old Testament into this passage. Exodus I know Sunday's not the Sabbath, but I think the principle of rest runs through all of the scriptures and is for us today. Remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. It was a day of being with God, enjoying God, and physical, emotional, and spiritual rest. Some of our relationships are very poor because we haven't been Rested. You know what? Vince Lombardi, since you did put my picture as a Green Bay Packer fan, which I have totally forgiven you with no bitterness, thank you, yeah. Jesus. Um, Vince Lombardi once said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. 
Some of you need to take a nap today. And do it for Jesus and do it for your family. Your crap. <laughs> the C stands for it. L stands for it. The E stands for it. The A stands for it. The N stands for The the U, now we're going to do the up. The U stands for umbrellas. Starts to rain, guys are good. I want you to think about umbrellas for a moment, okay? Um, why umbrellas? Umbrellas. Umbrellas, um, right, they let things bounce off. They let things bounce off. I mean, well, they're not things, I mean, like a safe would break <laughs> or brick wood, right? But like rain and all that kind of stuff. You know, maybe even a little hail once in a while, right? But it would just keep you from doing it, right? And this is a biblical principle, too. Um, and I, you know, there's so many fascinating passages of scripture. I want to share a few with you. First Peter 4, it says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins, right? So if you have to, every time you correct somebody on everything, that's, you'd be a hard friend to have. So what I'm saying to you is, pick your battles wisely. There are some big things. We raise, we're raising seven kids. If all I ever did was speak the truth to those kids, I would not be a very loving father. So sometimes when they get it right, almost right, not near as right as I hope, I still celebrate the rightness of it, right? Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. I can look past that what's happening there, and know that that person's having a bad day. And so I can just go with it. I love Proverbs uh, 26, 4 and 5. Here's what it says. Do not answer a fool in his folly, lest you be like him. You know what the next verse says? Answer a fool in his folly, lest he think you be wise. Now which is it? Answer a fool in his folly, or don't answer a fool in his folly? And the answer is, yes. <laughs> yes. So in other words, there's a time to answer a fool in his folly and let him go, boom, and then there's a time to say, I'm just going to let that go. That person says something mean to me. I'm going to let that go. Why? Because I'm going to be the bigger person by the glory of God, and I'm not going to answer that fool in his folly. That's hard to do, isn't it? But that's what it means to be gracious, especially when you know somebody. You know what I'm saying? When you know somebody and you get a zinger from them, you can take a step back and go, I know that person loves me, that person's kind to me, I can overlook that. That's a beautiful thing. Love covers a multitude of sins, first Peter 4. And we're going to need a lot of that. And there's times to still not just, it's so, it's so dysfunctional not to deal with something, so you still have to deal with something, right? But there's a time to let it go. I've been in board meetings, elder board meetings, where, um, you know, we all get together, everybody came after work, we're all in hustle and bustle mode, but we got some big issues we're dealing with, and there's just some intensity at the meeting, and I watch one guy that I dearly love really reach out and verbally just zinger another guy that I really love at this board meeting. And um, my first thought was, I need to stop this meeting right now, and we gotta get, we gotta have a come to Jesus right here, because right? I, I wanna fix things, don't you? And before I could do it, the Holy Spirit was like, just wait till the end, wait till the end. Give me a chance to work. You ever been in these situations? Like it just hangs in the air. You know, by the time that meeting was over, right before we were closed, right before I was going to bring it up, 
the guy that gave the zinger looks across to his buddy over there, my friend as well, and he goes, hey, when I came in, I had a horrible day at work. I came in, first thing I did was attack you. Right in front of all you guys. That was not how I wanted to be. I was one more week for Boom. There it is. Right? Beautiful. Reminds me of the story about the bird in these parts of the woods that uh, was so sick of flying south for the winter. And he just hated that long trip all the time. And he always wondered what actually happened here in Illinois when everybody left. So one, one time he just said, you know, I'm not going this season. I'm staying here. And it started to get colder and colder. And he thought, well, I'll be fine. And then it was like a day like today. And then my wife told me Saturday this, this, it could be snow. It's just about that time of year, this time of year, when this bird realized everybody else left. I'm the only one here. I should probably get going. So it was raining like it was today, but it was more like sleet. And he thought, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna run right now. I'm gonna see if I can catch up with these guys that go south. So he starts flying through the rain, and he's realizing it's way colder than he thought up in the air. And all of a sudden, his wings began to get heavy. And he looked around. He's got these ice hanging off his wings, and he realizes it's too late. He's got to figure out where he's gonna die. So he's up in the air, and he sees this barnyard, and he thinks, you know what? If I just land in that barnyard, at least I'll be with other animals. I'll die with my, I'll die with other animals. And he comes flying down like because his wings are full of ice, and boom, he lands right behind a big cow. The cow, the cow takes one step backwards and drops a huge plop right on, just right, boom, right on. And the guy, the, the bird's thinking, oh my goodness, this is horrible. I'm gonna die here, and now this, I'm gonna be smothered by this plop. Well, I guess this is just how I'm gonna die. But a few minutes later, the bird had this thought, a very encouraging thought. That plop was warm. <laughs> I don't know, but that's how the story goes. That plop was warm, and all of a sudden, that bird realized, oh my goodness, I can feel my wings again. I'm going to live. And that bird began to sing a song of joy, which awoke a barnyard cat far away, but not so far away, couldn't hear that the bird was singing. It was like, hey, bird. Well, there's, it comes out, he's looking around, and he gets right behind this cow, and he realizes there's, a, there's something in there. There's a bird in there. And so what the bird does is the bird takes the, takes the plop, and he starts wiping off. Sure enough, there's a bird. He grabs the bird, wipes more of the plop off him, and eats it. <laughs> now, there's three morals to the story. <laughs> Some of you are upset that the bird got eaten. Just want to say, just pause that for a moment. But there's three lessons from the story. Number one, not everyone who drops a plop on you is your enemy. Number two, not everyone who cleans a plop off of you is your friend. And number three, if someone drops a plop on you, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude. You're gonna need umbrellas. You're just gonna need Umbrellas in your relationship. <laughs> All right, last one. C stands for? The L stands for? The E stands for? The A stands for? The N stands for? And the U stands for? And then you recognize this. This is, this is how we plug into the power, right? We plug into the power. So I want you to say prayer. Hold it up. We'll say it again. Prayer. All right, very good. Prayer. Prayer. Oh my goodness, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. 
Why would we ever think we don't need to keep praying? Prayer isn't just a posture. I think this verse used to really bug me, pray without ceasing. How do you do that? And the, and the answer is just this continual conversation with God. I'm telling you, if you could ever learn, and I could ever learn to pray, to pray without ceasing, to have a continual conversation, it will change your life. Because you will be in touch with God constantly. So when people say to me, will you pray for me? I don't write it down. I just pray for them right now. Oh, I just reach out and pray for them right now. I have a friend who's very prayerful, and he's taught me. He taught. He's given me permission just by watching him live. We're eating lunch one day, and so a lot of people know him. And I'm just eating lunch, but I didn't realize a lot of people know him. But everybody comes over and they want to talk to him, and they're talking to him. And pretty soon he goes, "Hey, how's your wife? I heard she was in the hospital." The guy goes, "Yeah, she is, and, and uh, she's not doing very well." And this is what he does. He just reaches out. He goes, goes, and he keeps his eyes open. He goes, "Lord," and this is really weird. "Lord." Pray right now for Myrtle. She needs your comfort and give the doctor's wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Blesses that guy who's struggling. It is so beautiful. And I realized I want to be like that. That's how I want to be. I want to learn to pray. I need constant power from God to clean up messy relationships. I need to learn to pray without ceasing. Well, friends, I want to share one passage of scripture with you about prayer. And let this be. Um, let this kind of cap us off here. Jesus said this. This is then how you should pray. Now watch this. You'll recognize this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That is the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. The next verse says, and we hardly ever get to the next verse, so I want you to hear this. What temptation might Jesus be talking about here? Lead us not into temptation. I think he tips his hand in the next verse. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, the temptation of unforgiveness, bitterness, Jesus says, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And then here's the singer. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father in heaven will not forgive your sins. Wow. Jesus is tough on this. We're all tempted by the devil to be unforgiving. That's why we should pray. Lead us not into but deliver me from evil. Well, I, I see two, two responses here. And I want to challenge you to put on whichever one you need. You, you will never be able to clean up messy relationships through self-help, psychology. Oh, that's fun. You're going to need Jesus. And I think the first, first most important step of cleaning up messy relationships have a relationship with God. That's why Jesus Christ died on the cross. He shed his blood and he rose again. I know a lot of people who go to church, but it doesn't mean they know God. It doesn't mean they have a relationship with Jesus. So many of us are trying to earn his favor. He's already given it to us through Jesus, and we have to accept it. Religion says, do this, do that, do this. The gospel says, it's been done for you. Receive it. You're wondering why your relationships have been so pitiful? I'm going to tell you what. 
you need Jesus. You need a relationship with God. Your relationship with God is the first step to making your relationship with people better. Do you know Jesus? Have you received Jesus? This would be a good time to reach out and believe what he did on the cross for you. Second response. You're here today and you know Christ. You're trying to have a growing relationship with him. And you're in a place where you're going, I'm really mad at this person. As I talk today, maybe the Holy Spirit brought some, you need to go home and apologize about this. You need to, before you leave here, or somebody here, you need to get, you need to confess your sin to. James 5, 16, confess your sins to one another. Maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe it's somebody that is dead. Some of you might need to go to the graveyard to somebody who's hurt you, stand over that grave and not curse it, but say, because of Jesus' grace in my life, I forgive you. If you need to receive Christ as your Savior today, you're not sure. I'm telling you right now, listen, without this, without this, you have no ability to actually make the relationships everything God wants them to be. All you have to do is say, Lord, I know you love me. I know my sin separates me from you. I know that Jesus Christ died on the cross, shed his blood and rose again. All you got to do is say, God, I accept that. I receive your free gift of what Jesus did for me. I want a relationship with you through Jesus. And God will honor that, that prayer when you say to him right now. You just say, God, I want a relationship with you through Jesus. God, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sin. I receive it right now. Some of you have done that, and you, you're struggling because you're not walking in. You're in a great church that will help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. There are so many opportunities, including what we're doing after this. If you want more practical nuts and bolts about how to handle the messiness of Christianity and your family and your neighbors, I want you to stay afterwards today. We'll have lunch, and we'll do another 90 minutes together, and I'll put something in your hands. 25 passages of Scripture about how God wants us to treat others. You want to clean up your messy relationship? Stay with us. But you got to want. No guilt. We love you either way. But I invite you to do that. What did you hear God say to you today? What nudge from the Holy Spirit did you get today? Was it a face? Was it a name? God save you. Keeping you from cleaning up 
scriptures, they're clear. I challenge you to act on whatever it is that God's done in your heart about it. Do not chicken out. You will not be ready. Whatever that means. Father, thank you for who you are, what you do. Thanks for forgiving us. We did not deserve it. expression of cleaning up relationships, the cross of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And God, that's how you move toward us first so that we were able to enjoy a great relationship with you. Lord, for my friends who are stuck in messy relationships, I pray that today they would see the way out is your word and the power of the Holy Spirit and the friends of this church. Lord, we don't get to control other people, but you get to control us. And I pray that you will take more and more of us until it's all you. Thank you for the example of Jesus. Thank you that you give the Holy Spirit to every believer. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for your church. Now, God, since you've given us everything we need for life and godliness, help us to utilize it.